top half at least. You know, if Pastor Peter were here, he'd, he'd say that you look better than ever right now. Uh, but he uh, sends his love. He's staying home right now uh, during this season. Uh, but welcome to all of you who are gathered here. Welcome to those who are watching on your device and, and to any guests who are joining us as well. Uh, my name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors here. And as we were counting grace upon grace that God has worked in us, how he has sustained us as a church body and, and, and through the history of our community here, you know, what, what, what do we return to the Lord in terms of gratefulness to him? I think it's a helpful thought to frame our time of giving this morning. And, and this is how David puts it in Psalm 116, verse 12. He asks, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? How can I possibly repay him? And he says this, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, David lifts up his cup and he asks God for a refill. He asks, can I, can I have some more of your care, of your kindness toward me, of your protection and your provision? And that's how God is glorified. When we come to him and we say, God, we, we still need you. We, we need you day by day to watch over us, to provide for our needs and to send us your kindness. And that's what he delights to do. And, and giving week after week is an expression of, of that. God, my, my reliance is on you. I'm, I'm going to need you to be my supply another week. And so he says this in, in verse uh, 17 here. He says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. And we get to begin to do that again, to do that in the presence of God's people. Just a reminder, there are several ways uh, that you can continue to give uh, through the website or the app. Uh, online through bill pay, uh, but we also have some offering uh, boxes in the back of the room that you can use now if you'd like or bring something there and drop it off at the end of the service. Uh, but let's pray and turn our hearts to the Lord. God, thank you for all of the benefits that come with having your favor on our lives, Lord. Undeserved grace, forgiveness, life and breath and everything else. God, we we look to you. Our, our giving is an expression of, of our dependence on you, a heart that says, God, we call upon you. Lord, we look to you for satisfaction and every good thing. And so we honor you through our offering this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a few things we're going to announce and, and highlight. One is that our small groups are gathering this week, and so you can uh, check with your leader on what plans there might be for virtual gathering. It's been really neat to, to observe and kind of get a glimpse into the different uh, meetings that have been taking place and just how God has been at work through the small groups. And if you'd like to get information about jumping into one of those groups, you can contact the church office and we'd love to connect you with one of those leaders. Um, just in our efforts to continue to care for the people that God has brought here, we, we, we've had this 2020 LCC census. Uh, here, here's a moment of truth right here. Raise your hand if you have filled out the census already. Okay. I think most of the people who have gone through the process of uh, signing up for a service have probably also filled up uh, a census uh, form. Uh, but if you haven't gotten to do that, you could do that on, on through the app. Um, and any, anybody who's watching can... Uh, Go ahead and, and click on the, uh, the COVID-19 tab there or the Sunday morning tab and you'll find the, the LCC census there. It's just a, a way for us to continue to be aware of the people that God has called to our body um, as we seek to connect with you. Uh, you'll find in your app as well the notes for this morning. You weren't handed anything on your way in, but um, if you click on the Sunday morning tab and then there's a, a little graphic up at the top that says Sunday Gathering Live. And then there's a way you can actually watch this while it's happening, which you'll, you'll be like 15 seconds behind. So I don't recommend doing that. Uh, but right there, there's a, a spot for the, the notes as well that you can uh, connect with along the way. All right. Well, we can't dismiss the kids. We do have video content for you all available as well. But let's welcome up Pastor Keith. Thank you, Ev. We can't dismiss the kids. Hey, kids. See how normally you just kind of get make a little noise on the way out. But just another strange portion of what we're doing these days, right? Well, it is really 
good to see you guys. It's been very strange, and this room has been totally empty, right, all these weeks, and I'm just preaching to that camera on the back wall back there. And by the way, we're not forgetting about you guys, uh, and, and part of what's making all this stuff happen is uh, if, if I had to add some special thanks beyond the Lord to uh, us as a church, uh, special thanks to some of the guys back there. I know Eric and Jordan have put in quite a bit of effort and time to create our setting here as well as create all the, the technology that we've needed to put things in place and get things broadcast and uh, face glitches and problems and challenges because a lot of people are using this stuff right now and these guys are seeking to learn how to fix it constantly. So thank you guys very much for all of your efforts. Pete, thank you as well for researching some things and getting us moving in this direction. Uh, I'm, I'm with you in, in not knowing exactly when things are going to be any different than this right here, uh, but this is different than where we've been, so we're grateful that we at least took this step. But for those of you guys who are interested in, in being in the live service, uh, I think registration for next week goes up on Wednesday, and we are limited by the city's uh, rules for right now to having a hundred or less and so we had originally set up for more than that because the state had said one thing city said another we are living underneath those so if you want to be here next week uh wednesday that registration will go up and you can jump in and be a part of the gathering and we're going to continue to do live stream throughout the next foreseeable future or you can just watch us online uh well turn in your bibles with me this morning you actually get to hear some pages turn i hope to Daniel chapter 9. As you're turning there, I know my, my wife was in the earlier service. She has been greatly anticipating this day of return because I had decided I would not trim my beard until we gathered again. So it has been 10 weeks, and if I keep going, I think I could probably get like a job in the mall doing Santa Claus uh, in December if I keep going at this rate. But... Uh, uh, today, it's coming to an end. My wife is getting her wish, and I will be trimmed back to normal because we finally are back together again, And even though there's just a few of us. All right. Well, if you're, our, you're turning in to our broadcast and, or you're just gathering with us today and you haven't been following along, perhaps, we've been studying through a section of Scripture uh, that's in the section of the Bible that's about the exile. And it's a significant portion of the Bible, right? There is a, an entire third of the Old Testament that is devoted to explaining this event. Yet I saw a recent poll that I mentioned that the average person who picks up the Bible and reads it seldom reads this portion of the Bible. They'll read the Gospels, they'll read Paul's writings, they'll read the Psalms and the Proverbs, but they don't spend a lot of time here. So I get that we're not real familiar with all that took place here. But we have lived in an event that's very similar to what we find here. God disrupted a people's lives with an exile moment where all that was normal for them was going to be put on hold and they were going to be transported to another location for a temporary season to do life in a totally different way. God did that. Did you know God could do that again? Right? One of the things that the Bible does for us is it it rescues us from creating God in our own image, right? Maybe, maybe you'd like to create a God that says, God would never do anything uncomfortable in my life. God would never disrupt good things because he's a good God. And some of that stuff makes sense to us. But I would, I would encourage you greatly, get your understanding about God and what he's like from these pages. God has acted in human history. He's done things that reveal some things about him. And so God has this big purpose that he doesn't mind disrupting smaller purposes in order to accomplish big things in our little lives. And so we, we heard a little bit last week from the prophet Daniel. He was a, a prophet that God sent with the people to live in Babylon and to minister to them there. He's going to live just about his entire life in Babylon. Not, he doesn't have too much recollection of his times growing up uh, back home in Jerusalem. And last week, you'll remember, we, we read from Daniel chapter 9 where Daniel is reading his Bible and he gets an insight that the 70 years of this exile were coming to an end and we will be returning 
to normal, right? So I think it's just interesting to watch how this plays out and how we're kind of playing out some of this stuff, right? So some of the news around us is giving us the impression that, hey, maybe we're going to return to normal sometime soon. Our mindset is similar. But here's what I want us to catch today. When we read this chapter, this entire chapter, Daniel is going to see this moment and he's going to lift his heart in prayer to God. God's going to respond by turning Daniel's attention away from his 70 years to a bigger event. 70 weeks, the prophecy says from now. Something really big is going to happen. So Daniel, pay attention not just to your moment, but to what God is doing in the big sense. That's why I titled the message, Returning. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Right? Daniel is seeing the trees. God's going to lift his eyes to see the forest. So let's read together Daniel chapter 9. We'll just read a few verses in the beginning, and then we'll jump into our text today. Starting in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And you remember the next several verses in this chapter are, are Daniel crying out to God. I mean, you just want to learn how to pray. Read this passage of Daniel. Listen to what he sees around him, to what he sees in his own life, to what he grabs hold of in God, the hope that he has, because he knows there's a reason why God would come through for us right now, even though we have sinned against God greatly, right? So we looked at that last week. And then in verse 20, the conclusion of Daniel crying out to God, verse 20 begins, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill, of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you, look at these words, insight and understanding. Right? I'd love to just chase off on those two words. Let me just introduce a thought to you. Daniel and his people are in a crisis that needs to get solved 70 years now. The next thing before them is how do we get back? You remember they're about a thousand miles away from home. How do we get back? How does this, what is, how does this return work out? And when we show up there, what's it going to be like in the land? Are there enemies in the land now? Somebody else take our land? I mean, we, they burned everything down when we left. What are we going back to? So a list of a thousand questions is here, and Daniel's crying out to God for this move to happen, but God says, I'm about to give you insight and understanding. Right, can you make room for that in your own story? Right? Could it be that sometimes you and I are crying out to God in the moment of great confusion, heartache, difficulty, and, and God doesn't just come to us and say, okay, so tell me again, what did you want? Okay, this and then this. I got it. I'll be back. No, no, God says, right now, I want to impart to you insight and understanding. And those of you guys who have walked with the Lord for any time, you'll notice this. Sometimes God's insight and understanding don't have a lot to do with what you're asking about. You ever notice that? Sometimes God just shows up in your life, in your moment, and turns lights on and reveals things that you almost want to say, God, that's not what I was asking. God, we got this, we got this return thing. Did you hear me? And God says, yeah, but I wanted to give you insight about this because that's more important for you to know than that. And that's about what's about to happen to Daniel here. Verse 23. At the beginning, Daniel, of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. This is what Gabriel says. 
70 weeks are decreed. That's a strange word, actually, there. It's, it's, it's 77. And since seven days in a week, the, the language picks up the weeks part. It says 70 weeks. But it's not really meaning 70 weeks. It's meaning 70 periods of sevens are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Now, I want to camp out in verse 24. That's what we're going to live in this morning. So just hang on to that for a second. Most of us who have ever studied or read the prophetic elements of Daniel have interacted with these next couple of verses. Daniel's 70 weeks that prophesy the moment that the Messiah is going to show up, put his his feet on planet earth here. So let's, let's read through that because this is what this verse 24 is pointing to. This moment when the Messiah comes to accomplish these things. Verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for a half the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one to make who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now let's just pray for a moment and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, into our moment comes a revelation from this moment. But here we are, 2020, reading events that took place some 600 years almost before Christ. And yet these are the words you preserved for us. You said these things have been written down for us upon whom the ends of the age have come. And so, Lord, there's something here for us to see, some understanding for us to gain about our moment that comes from this moment. We ask for your help, Lord. Let's see this and let our lives welcome the wonderful news that's here in Jesus' name. Amen. Your Tripper Longman comments on this passage when he says, We must remember that Daniel's prayer for forgiveness and restoration was motivated by his reading of Jeremiah's prophecy that the exile would last 70 years. Gabriel's answer to Daniel's prayer is an interpretation of the 70 years in a way that seems to extend its purview. Gabriel apparently suggests that the end of the 70-year exile begins a process, one that will last for 77s or weeks of years. So in this moment, right, and and we're kind of the guy playing the part of Daniel here, we're we're traveling through a moment that is a big moment to us. It's a massive moment. We're displaced. Normal life is nowhere in sight. We don't know how to fix this or get back where we came from. And we cry out to God in prayer And we're focused on this moment, but the voice that God brings through Gabriel says, can I I lift your eyes to something bigger than that? And it's almost like, God, but that's not what we asked you about. We didn't ask you about those 70 period time, time periods. We're asking you about right now, but God says, no, no. for you to live in this moment, you're going to need this. You're going to need understanding and insight about this. And and listen, it's a great life principle right here, that scripture does this to us often. As a matter of fact, it's how we should live our lives. Right? There, are, there are moments in our lives that feel like really big deals. Right? Go back a few years, you're younger, you've got a crush on some girl or some guy, you're in high school, and 
that relationship takes off and suddenly it's working out and you guys are connecting and you know you're a thing and it's a big deal and all of a sudden the bottom just drops out of that and the person decides they don't really have any interest in you and you are shattered you are heartbroken you are shedding tears there is drama all around you and as far as you're concerned the world is over right remember those days do you, do you look back on that event differently now Right, you, you've got a little bit more information with you now, right? You look back on that and it's like, eh, that really wasn't that big a deal. It felt enormous then, but you've lived your life in bigger spaces now. You've seen bigger things. You know, we had some folks in the first service. I'm not sure if any of you guys have graduated. Any graduates who graduated high school or college right now? Because we want to at least acknowledge. Oh, that's right. I, I didn't see you behind your mask there, Darby. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished. And we're so sad that not a big giant party is available for you guys in your graduation moment right now. But you can probably remember, right? So we have a high school graduate among us. Can you remember that biology test that you took that you bombed and you thought, oh, it's over. I just totally, I got a, like a two on this thing. I got one question right, and, and it's over, right? My grade, my GPA is shattered and shot. All right, now, so now that you're getting a diploma put in your hands, and you've graduated, and you look back on that, that, that thing finds a different scale, right? Something else has kind of come in the room with it, and that which was, you came home crying, nobody could console you, you were all upset. Something else is now there that's so much bigger than that thing. And that's what the Bible seeks to do to us quite often. It, it seeks to help us see the big thing so that the little things can become little things in our lives. And so in this moment, there's a moment here. And what Daniel's going to have his attention directed to is, yes, Daniel, you have a moment. Your people have a moment before you, this massive crisis, but, but something much bigger that God is doing. And so the attention is drawn to the bigness of God's future plan to send a Messiah to solve some really big problems. Right, so this is the tendency for us is to miss the forest for the trees. Right? The little details of our lives that consume us and that we worry about and that we're fixated on. And listen, we can, we can do life that way. Right? There's some really big things in life that might not be the little trees that are right in front of us. Right, right? For us, they're trees. I mean, they're big, taller than us. They're big. They're, they're right here. But when you see the forest around the trees, you get a different scale. Right? You get a different sense of understanding. You know, so we're living in a world... Our, our details and daily spaces, that all the stuff we've got to manage, all the things going, all the things that are pressing us, things that we freak out about. Have we, have we misplaced along the way that the biggest thing going on in our world is our walk with God? Our, as creatures, we have been created by a God who wants to intimately know us, and that God has a plan for everything that exists, right, right, that's back away, that's the forest, right, for all eternity, God has a plan for everything, for every day and every moment and every purpose that could exist for us, God has touched it already, that's big, that's the forest, and we could be staring at a tree that's sitting in the midst of that, and not paying attention to the forest, listen, you know, I lived my life as a young person that way. The daily stuff was massive. Relating to God, like non-existent, unimportant. No time made for that. I invented ways of praying to God, ways of relating to God that I never even bothered to research. Is that how you do this? I had ideas about God that I never bothered to find out from Scripture. Is that really what the Bible says? I just heard somebody say that, so I just, I just believed it. I didn't read the Bible, pick up the Bible until my middle teenage years, after I really came into a saving relationship with Christ, and I picked the Bible. I wanted to know what the Bible said. But up until that moment, I just had all kinds of ideas that I just observed other people do stuff and grabbed pieces of it. I had an uncle that we would go fish with all the time. And so when we were driving in the car on the way to go fishing, 
every time we'd pass a church, he'd do the sign of the cross. Every time he'd pass, we'd pass a church, he'd do the sign of the cross. I'd never seen anybody do that before. I didn't know anybody else who ever did that, but he always did it. So I thought, well, yeah, maybe I should do that. No idea why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. And that would have been characteristic of everything almost in my life in terms of relating to God, how I prayed. It's almost like, you know, we, we create this rabbit foot approach to God. It's like, well, if I do this, then God will do that. We make this stuff up and we have little routines that we do. And sometimes we go to church, sometimes we don't. Like, like that does something for us. This, this is like missing the forest. The, the, the most important thing about our lives is our relating to God. There's nothing more important than that. So whatever's pressing us, whatever tree is right in front of us right now, don't miss the forest. For the trees, that's some massively important stuff right in front of us. And that's what Gabriel shows up and he does. And he says, you know, I know you're worried about that return, but what about this return? What about the return of the Messiah? The one that brings verse 24 to life. He finishes transgression. He puts an end to sin. He atones for wickedness and he brings in everlasting righteousness. Hey, hey, Daniel, settle down, man. Uh... I know you worry about passing that test right now, but can I just tell you there's bigger stuff? I know that girl who broke your heart, that's a big deal to you right now. Can I just tell you, Dan, there's bigger things going on in this world, even than the people of God returning to the land that God promised them. The bigger thing is what the Messiah is going to do when he comes. Now listen, I don't want to completely undermine our moment and say, hey, don't pay attention to the moment, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. We live in moments, and we're called by God to live in moments. So, so Daniel and the leaders of Israel are going to need to figure out, so we're going back to Jerusalem? Okay. Um, how are we getting there again? How are we going to cross the wilderness? How are we going to transport stuff? What are we taking back with us? Does anybody have any idea what's going on in the land? Can you imagine the stimulus package that needed to be in place? The economy has been shut down for 70 years in the promised land. The land has been laid fallow. The buildings have been burned down. There's rebuilding that's got to go on, but nobody's got any money. Nobody's going back there with an ability to, hey, my business is thriving. Your business hasn't existed for years, and you're going to go back. So they do have to live in this moment, and God knows that, and the understanding that he sends through Gabriel is not about that moment. It's about a bigger moment. And so I love the lesson that's here, that sometimes you and I need to see the bigger things of God in order to live in the smaller things that are in our space and in our life. And this feels big for us, right, this COVID-19 experience, but there are bigger things that God highlights. So let's, let's imagine for a second that our economy somehow gets cranked back up and, and everybody goes back to work and everybody's buying and doing life like we did before. There's a vaccine out there that you don't have to worry about catching this thing anymore. It just shows up in our culture and we solve some of these problems. All right, but my question is, what about verse 24? What about the things that are in verse 24? Do those things matter? Delrath Davis, a commentator on Daniel, says this. Verse 24 tells us what God's program for God's people involves in the 70 weeks. It packs immense practical importance. It tells God's people not to fall for the immediacy heresy. I like that label. The immediacy heresy. How many, how many of us have lived our lives falling for the immediacy heresy? We're not thinking about long-term big issues. We just want to know right now. What are you going to do for me right now? How are you going to solve this right now? The, the immediacy of my life is the only thing I'm paying attention to. He says the 70 years of exile are drawing to a close, but God's purposes for his people involve 77s before they reach completion. The restoration to the land, listen, will not bring in the restoration of all things. Don't be suckered, verse 24 implies, into holding a false hope. God intentionally visits his own people in Daniel in this moment to say, don't be suckered into a false hope. 
when you go back to that promised land, you're not fixed. When this moment clears up, you still need me to do something massive in your life. So let me tell you about that. Let me highlight that Messiah when he comes, what he will do for you in your life. Now, this, this is a very helpful thing. Obviously, it's an ultimately helpful thing, but I want to highlight the fact that it, this is a helpful thing when you go to do your daily routines of life. When you live life in your daily spaces, I mean, you think about the, these are the trees, right? The daily spaces of life. You're going to have friendship problems among those trees, relationship problems, marriage problems, financial problems, crime problems, health problems, economy problems. You're going to have problems in the daily spaces of life. And here's what God does in this moment. He says, okay, I get that you've got trees, but as my people aware of me and what I'm doing, I just need you to back away from the tree for a second to see the forest. Because you can't properly see that tree if you can't see the forest. You don't know what to do with that problem. You don't know how to understand it. You don't know how to interpret it. You don't know where to put it in your life. You have got to see Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 on a daily basis. Or I promise you, you're not managing your life well. There's no way you can. The issues in verse 24 are massive issues. And if you're here right now going, Keith, um, not getting how those are massive issues then you are missing the forest for the trees. You are lost in the details and the tiny spaces of your life. So listen, the Bible even sounds this way, right? If I fast forward from Daniel all the way to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul sounds this way. He does the same thing. It just sounds a little bit different when he says it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, great example. In the midst of all the trials of life, Paul says, so we do not lose heart, right? He's talking about doing life. In the daily spaces, we don't lose heart. Really, Paul, why is that? Well, we, though our outer self is wasting away, got to admit, on the outside, things are wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So I don't know if you knew, if you're just paying attention to the, to the trees, your outer self is wasting away, and that's all you're paying attention to. That's all you know. It's huge. It's enormous. Your body's decaying. Things are slowing up. You're mentally not the same as you were a few years ago. That's all, that's all you're seeing, how discouraging, how fearful. But your inner self, which is just as real and eternally important, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And by the way, you need to do some comparison in the daily spaces of life. And that's what gets highlighted here. Light, momentary affliction. That's, that's talking about some significantly painful stuff. Now, I, I get that everybody who's married and you got a great life, you got kids and you're, you're older and you look back on the day that that first girl you fell in love with broke your heart and wasn't interested in you like your best friend instead. And you remember how devastating that was way back when. I'm getting attacked by my coat here. Um, you remember that moment, right? But it doesn't feel the same to you right now, does it? It feels much smaller. What, what, what made that thing get smaller? Bigger things came into your life. Bigger, more important, more life-satisfying and life-defining things came into your life. That's all you had back then. Right? You were defined by whether that girl liked you or not. And your whole world just ended because she doesn't. But bigger things have come to you now, right? And that's what God does here. He says, you know, when eternal weight of glory gets in the room with you, stuff like that becomes momentary light affliction. Even big stuff becomes momentary light affliction. Right? I, I know some of us in the past year, we, we've been lost loved ones, or we've gone through some diagnosis, or working through something that's disrupted our personal lives, maybe, maybe a marital breakup, struggles that have happened. 
Do you know the Bible can come into those moments and put another label on them and say, those are momentary light afflictions. And I, I know they feel like to us, no, these are devastating things. Not when you pull the eternal weight of glory into the same room with it. And you see God's purpose for your life. That becomes a tree and God's glory becomes a forest. And you see things differently. Right? That's what happens, that Paul explains. He says, as we look, verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Right? Do, do you know you're called as a believer to see things? You know, it used to be a weird phrase, right? What are you, what are you seeing things? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> I am. But, but Keith, that's not, that's not right there. Uh, you're right, but I still see something. You understand, Daniel is called to see something in this passage that is unseen. He doesn't see the day of the Messiah. He doesn't see Jesus Christ walking on earth. He doesn't see him spreading out his arms and being nailed to a cross to accomplish it. He doesn't see, these are unseen to Daniel. But Gabriel treats him like you need to see this, Daniel. You need to see this. Listen, you and I run the danger, and moments like these are just historically powerful moments to make us stare at the tree right in front of us. And the tree right in front of us is COVID-19 and the return, and how do we go back to normal, and that's it. And God leaps into that moment and says, you need to see the unseen in this moment. Because once you see that, it will put this in scale. It will take on a different proportion in your life. So let's see what there is to see here in this moment. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Let's look carefully at the words that are here. Because these words, maybe we've read past them too fast. Maybe we don't think, that. well, that's not our world. That's not our problem. All right, well, let's see if we can clarify that a little bit. Daniel 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. First, to finish the transgression. There's a little phrase there. Remember, the Bible's translated into English. It's not originally in English. So we have words that, that, that seek to approximate what the original language, which is Hebrew here, said. So there, these words that finish the transgression, that finishes a restraining word. It's a stopping something word. And transgression is a word that also could have been translated rebellion. That God was going to do something in the first and in the future that would finish rebellion. Anybody here got a problem with rebellion? Does that sound relevant? It's like, oh, well, great. You're presenting stuff to me. I'm, is there something in this passage that pertains to me? I don't know. Does rebellion pertain to you? Seriously. You thought about your own life? You thought about that, that thing inside of us that rises up, that in, in the variety of spaces and ages and settings that you have been in, that says, I will not be told what to do. I am the captain of my ship. I determine the way things are going to go. You just understand this, this rebellion. Let's, let's say God created a world and he wants it to go a certain way and he sets us in it. And, you know, you, didn't, you came with legs, not with wings, but you wanted to fly, right? I mean, you, you, got, you wanted to do something different than what God gave you. And you lived the rest of your life all mad at God because you can't fly and angry at God. You know, what is that? It's rebellion. It's a heart that says, I refuse to come under what you wanted. I wanted it my way. I wanted it done my way. Now, listen, you know, we, we look around and survey our lives there can be a lot of things in our lives that we're living exactly where God wanted us to live. Daniel and his pals are living a thousand miles outside the promised land in exile in an ungodly land. But they're living exactly where God called them to live. You, you could be in a circumstance, in a season right now of your life and rebellion can go off on the inside of you that says, God, I am so mad at you. I am so distant from you. I haven't wanted to read a Bible. I haven't wanted to pray. I haven't been around church. I, I didn't even want to get around you. Why? Because you don't like the life God's given you. Did you know the Messiah would come and he would restrain that and, and finish it? 
He put an end to that thing in us that operates that way. Not only that, sin. He says he would put an end to sin. Now this word sin, when it gets translated into the English, it just pops up as sin. But it's a word that means an offense and an associated penalty. That's what that word means when it comes to us from another language. It's an offense. Did you know that when you and I choose to do things that are sinful, they're an offense to God? Now, we might feel like we live in a universe that doesn't portray things that way. Everybody's got the right to do whatever they want to do. Well, what if what they want to do is not what God wants done? Somehow we just kind of ignore it. Somehow, well, God will get over it, right? I mean, God's a, he's a big boy. He'll, he'll look the other way. He'll be cool, won't he? Well, if I don't create God out of my own ideas and I read the Bible and I find out, I find out God is offended. He had a purpose and a plan for every life. And when we blow that purpose off and do it our own way, God is offended and there is a penalty for that offense right now anybody here ever done anything that god probably wasn't cool with any of you guys watching at home anybody did something that you're pretty sure god was not okay with that don't stare at the tree and you know see the forest here there comes a day when that offense has a penalty that's gonna come due Who's paying for that? Oh, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm just busy. I'm doing life. You know, I've got a lot of things going on. Um, i got trees right in front of me. Well, don't miss the forest for the trees because you're going to hope one day somebody deals with that sin because the payment for it is going to come due for every one of us. That's a big thing that Daniel needed to be aware of. And then the third thing that gets dealt with is this iniquity, an atonement for iniquity. That word iniquity it's the word for moral evil or mischievousness, just mischief, deciding to do things that are out of bounds, perverted. It can be translated that way. Did, did you know that there needs to be an atonement for that? That God's just not going to look the other way and just say, hey, I'm not going to be looking sneak past real fast. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, Mr. Iniquity, just go ahead. I'm not looking. Here you go. All right, into heaven. Glad you got by me. That's not how God is. Maybe I'd like for God to be that way, but he's not that way in Scripture. Iniquity, moral evil, outside of the boundaries of what God has defined as okay, that's a massive problem. And then you and I live in a world, let's face it, where righteousness doesn't reign. Right? One day, what's coming is a reign of righteousness. The Messiah will bring in a reign of of righteousness. We don't live in a world where righteousness reigns. We, we live in a world where selfishness reigns, right? That's biblical. And I'm going to show you here in this, this little quote here that it's, it's even the correct view of some who are in the world who don't even believe in God, right? We're going to start from Owen Strawn. He says, there is no tragedy like the tragedy of the historical fall of the human race. Biblical Christianity brooks no rivals when it comes to this momentous event, right? That fallen moment where sin came into our world and into the bloodstream of each and every one of us in the Garden of Eden. The fall of Adam and Eve following the creation of the world is symphonic in its terribleness. I like that phrase, right? I mean, it's a, it's a massive orchestra of terribleness. Everybody playing their part in unique ways, unique sounds of terrible, 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 awful, terrible, 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 being produced by the sound of human life. We take the fall for granted in Christian circles. Other worldviews and belief systems contain no such epic event. In evolutionary thought, things go awry because the gene is, quote, inherently selfish. I'll show you where he gets that, as Richard Dawkins has argued. Now, Richard Dawkins is an avowed atheist who is published today quite a volume of work about why he's an atheist and why everybody else should be as well. But it's interesting for him to stare out at humanity here and make this comment, because this is what he sees in humanity. What he sees in humanity is Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. And he labels all of humanity as survival machines. That's all we are. 
for this evolutionary product of survival machines. He says, to a survival machine, another survival machine, which is not its own child or another close relative, is part of its environment, like a rock or a river, a lump of food. It is something that gets in the way or something that can be exploited. It differs from a rock or a river in one important respect. It is inclined to hit back. This is because it too is a machine that holds its immoral genes. I don't know how an atheist can use the word immoral, but immoral genes in trust for the future. And it too will stop at nothing to preserve them. This includes making the best use of other survival machines. And this he wrote in a book titled The Selfish Gene. It is the declaration of the survival of the fittest, right? It is, you know, there is no governing God over all that exists, so we're all just doing whatever makes sense to us to do as machines, and if I got to use the machines around me to preserve my interest or to further my interest, I will use you, I will exploit you as needed. And unfortunately, cure COVID or don't cure COVID, Our history is dotted with the story of humanity could equal survival machines exploiting other survival machines. When you read history, is that not what you see? European explorers and settlers got wind of the fact that there was gold and there was spices in this place called the Americas. So they came over to get that because that would improve their own life. Were they very concerned that the native Indians who were here would be wiped out by the diseases that they would bring? No. We're not worried about that. We're just after your gold. And then once we got settled here, we discovered you could grow stuff and spices and crops and things. Oh, but we're going to need some help to do that because we want to do it at a scale that's not a family farm. So we're going to have plantations. And we're going to go get some help. We're going to exploit some individuals on the continent of Africa and have them come over here against their will because we're survival machines and they're just machines too. So we'll just have them come over here and lay down their lives to further our cause. And oh, and by the way, that's not a historic thing, is it? That kind of stuff still goes on today. The, The abortion industry of today is a survival machine exploiting another machine. When a child gets in the way of someone's life and what they wanted, they become expendable. The world that we hear a little bit about, but we keep ourselves tidy at a distance, but the human trafficking and sex trade industry that exploits girls and women, the pornography industry that exploits girls and women, It's just that. It's just using other human beings for the sake of what somebody wants in their own life. We're not too far removed from this, are we? And you can hear this in the news, right? There's debates all kinds of ways, and you can get all kinds of politically weird about this or not. You know, I had minimum wage discussion, and how much do people get paid, and how much should they have? It was interesting, last week when I was looking at Charles Spurgeon, I mentioned last week in the message that Charles Spurgeon had a special meeting that he called on a day that was a national day in Britain, a national day of prayer and humility. And he called people together and he preached a message and they had a massive prayer meeting. 24,000 people showed up for this meeting. And in that meeting, they were going to pray about something that had taken place in India, in one of the colonies of Britain in India, that they were now coming together to pray about. So he was going to pray about that. But as he began to, he actually read from Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel's confessing of his sin before God. And he began to confess and talk to the church there about the sins of Britain and the sins of the people of Britain. And listen to what he says here, right? This This is machines exploiting machines. He says, but my friends, I am inclined to think that our class sins are the most grievous. Behold this day the sins of the rich. How are the poor oppressed? 
How are the needy downtrodden? In many a place, the average wage of men is far below their value to their masters. In this age, there is many a great man who looks upon his fellows as only stepping stones to wealth. He builds a factory as he would make a cauldron. He's about to make a brew for his own wealth. Pitch him in. It's only a poor clerk. He can live on a hundred a year. Put him in. There's a poor timekeeper. He has a large family. It doesn't matter. A man can, can be had for less. In with him. Here are the tens, the hundreds, and the thousands that must do the work. Put them in. Heap the fire. Boil the cauldron. Stir them up. Never mind their cries. The law of demand and supply is with us. Who is he that would interfere? Really? Even back then, the law of supply and demand? You taste of capitalism as your theological explanation for why something is okay? This is a problem in the human life, in the human world before God. This is the forest. COVID-19 is a tree. What we seek to return from has a much greater need. We have a greater need. And what good news Gabriel brings to Daniel in this moment. He says, look, I know you're all under the weather here about this return to the promised land. But can I just bring some incredibly good news to you? There's an anointed one that's coming. The Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will finish the rebellion. Right? And this is what Jesus Christ does. This is so relevant for us. Right? So I'm going to do the same thing that Gabriel did to Daniel. I'm going to say, I know we've got some COVID conversation taking place, but can we change the subject from COVID to Christ? Because the biggest thing that defines who we are and it's going to define our lives in the future is not COVID, it's Christ. And this Messiah who came to do these things for us and in us and among us, he finishes the rebellion. First John chapter 3, verse 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Right? In other words, you are on the same team with the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, right? From the beginning. Where does sin come from? It comes from the devil. Do you, do you remember the original sin? I know we, we, our original sin, the human sin, was Adam and Eve. But before their sin, do you remember Satan's sin? Satan's sin was rebellion. Satan was a created angel, created for a purpose. God made this angel beautiful with incredible beauty and talent and abilities. And Satan takes a good look at himself and he sees some others that comparatively he's a little better. He looks at himself again and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sharp. I got a lot going on. And he takes a look at himself again and, and he decides, you know, you know, God, I, I know you had a plan. I know your plan is that you sit on a throne and you are above all things. But you know what? I think I would like my throne to ascend your throne. And I would like to sit among the stars in the heavens. What was that? Rebellion. It was a creature who didn't want to play the role that the creator had given him from the beginning. But this Messiah, it says in 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This Messiah came to destroy rebellion. And, and I am so grateful because there's rebellion in me that wants things to be done according to me and my ideas and my limitations and my preferences and my pride. I need that Messiah to show up in my life with his, I'm here to finish the rebellion. He would come and he would put an end to sin. Hebrews chapter 9 describes the mission of Jesus this way. But as it is, he, Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it's appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, that's why this, this is the forest. The forest issue is not COVID. The forest issue is that you and I are going to die once. And then after that, it's going to come the judgment. That's the forest. That's the bigger issue. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. 
Don't just be praying in this moment. Don't just be considering in this moment. Don't just be living in this moment for a, a solution to COVID. This is a solution that we need. Humanity needs to return to God. Sins forgiven, and that only happens through Jesus Christ, who will bear our sins. And that last little element I'll pick up on from verse 24. The Messiah comes to atone for iniquity, and he comes to bring everlasting righteousness. Paul said this this way in, in Romans chapter 3, a very familiar verse to us, but did you know that it was fulfilling and describing Daniel chapter 9, verse 24? Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested. Apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, that's what Daniel was doing, he's bearing witness to this righteousness. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short. There is no distinction. There's nobody here who can claim an exception to this. There's nobody watching who can claim an exception that, that not me. I haven't fallen short of the glory of God. I have, no, no, all have sinned. So what Jesus Christ did, what this Messiah was going to come and do is relevant to all Every one of us have need of what he does to atone for our sin and to give us his righteousness. He says we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. That propitiation word is a huge, great word. You probably used it just yesterday while you were folding laundry or something. Um, when you find it in other translations, it means atoning sacrifice. It is that atonement word that Daniel used that one day the Messiah will come and he will atone for our iniquity. That's what this is describing. God put him forward as a propitiation, atonement by his blood. To be received by faith. To be received by faith, right? And that's where I want to land. That's where I want to finish with this today. Eric, you can come back up here. We're living our lives right now in a moment with a lot that feels like it needs to get fixed. It needs to return to something else. We need to go back to something. We can get all concerned about that moment. But when God brings understanding to us, he wants to make sure this moment is a tree in the midst of the forest. It, it takes on its place. And that you and I are mindful of much bigger things that the Messiah, the, the one that I hope everybody has put their faith in, who has received from him forgiveness of sins and righteousness from God. That's, that's the biggest issue of our lives. And when I pull that into the room with me, when I pull this Messiah and all that he does for me into the room with me, it's like the scale of who he is makes COVID get smaller and smaller and smaller. And whether that COVID's working out with a health issue or a financial issue, whatever it is, all of it becomes momentary light afflictions in light of the eternal weight of glory of who God is and what he plans to be to us for all of our lives. But can you see something here? And I, I want to appeal to folks. I mean, I know most of the history of people here and, and there's a limited number I can see everybody. But I don't know everybody who's watching at home. Maybe you've tuned in. Maybe you're not used to tuning in and you're thinking through some things in your life. What kind of understanding might God want to bring to you at this moment for you to consider? I, we get you, you need to return. There's a lot about life that needs to get fixed. But what if God is using this moment to help you stare through that tree right in front of you so that you can finally see the forest and finally become aware that there's something much bigger about your life than just paying the next bill or fixing a broken this economy, relationship, whatever. There's something much bigger. And for these things to ever be in the right place in our lives, this big thing has got to be in place. And that's why the Bible interrupts Daniel in this moment. It says, Daniel, don't ever lose sight in your moment of that moment. 
And I want to bring that to you maybe today. Maybe what God's doing in the midst of this COVID season for you is getting you to stare past the, the little trees of daily spaces of life and see the big picture. And did, you, did you know there's a, a God who loves you? Who his purpose was to send his son to restore you, to do away with rebellion, to break sin's hold over our lives, to atone and cover over our sins with his blood so that we could be forgiven and then to give us righteousness as a gift. Not anything that we could achieve, but a righteousness that comes as a gift to all who receive it, right? We receive by faith. So here's what I want to offer you right now. If you want to receive this by faith, if you want to receive Christ into your life by faith, maybe this big moment is really about that for you, for any of us, to make sure the, the big thing is in our lives the way it needs to be. And listen, if you want to do that, if you're here with us or you're watching at home, you want to do that, let's pray together. Let's just bow our heads for a moment and pray and ask God to give what he showed to Daniel way back then. God, thank you for putting things in our lives in scale, in the right size, by showing us the really big things about our lives. So Lord, for some who are here today or watching today, who are fearful about finances and jobs, future, relationships, health. God, thank you for changing the subject. Say, have you noticed this? Your efforts to return. What, a, what about rebellion in the human heart? What about sin, the way it operates? What about your need for forgiveness and righteousness? Listen, the Messiah has come, the anointed promised one that Daniel foresaw has come. And he offers you himself if you would but receive him by faith. So if you'd like to do that, be honest right now with God. Have a conversation with God. Be honest. God, I've had moments where I'm just rebellious against what you want. I'd rather do it my own way. And I recognize that I have sinned and broken your rules. And I need forgiveness. And so I do come today, God, to the, for a much bigger need than anything going on in my world. I come for forgiveness between me and you, my sins to be wiped away and cleansed. And I want to be right with you. I want righteousness in my life. And I come to get that by receiving the righteousness that Christ has to give to me. Today, by faith, I entrust my life to Christ. To forgive me of my sins, to give me his righteousness, to lead me into the life now that he has. An eternal life. An eternal weight of glory. God, I know you're going to show up in all of our lives in these momentary light afflictions. God, I thank you that just because you call them momentary light afflictions doesn't mean you don't care. Doesn't mean you're ignoring any of us. Lord, you're, you're the same God who counts the tears that we've cried and the hairs on our heads. And you know that we need bread on a daily basis, so you invite us to come. God, you know these momentary light afflictions for us are big deals. So God, thank you today for the reminder You've done bigger things that we've needed. You'll do these too. You'll meet us in this hour of return in whatever ways need to get met because you met us to return our lives to Christ. Oh, never a bigger moment for any of us than that. So God, thank you for interrupting our moment of return and turning our attention from COVID to Christ to the ultimate hope 
that we have in him every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you are watching from home and, uh, and you'd like to maybe get in touch with us, you can do that on our website. You can ask for a meeting with any of the pastors if there's something that you got going on in your life or maybe you just want to talk about some of these things uh, further. We'd be glad to meet with you and would love to do that. Please contact us. Uh, hey, if you're wanting to be here with us next week, go online on Wednesday to our website or to the app and you can register to be here among us, and you can be one of these lovely faces wearing a mask and letting us see them from the nose up, for which we are so grateful to be with you. Thank you guys so very much for being here. Be blessed this week. Uh, any updates, please keep watching the app and stuff, because stuff, as you know, stuff is changing every day. So if stuff changes on our end, we'll let you know that throughout the week and look forward to being back here with you or seeing you online. We love you. We're praying for you. See you guys next week.